This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. Welcome to the Unconventional Wedding Planning Podcast. My name is Ashley, and I am planning my own unconventional surprise budget micro-wedding in the middle of a pandemic. If you are not ready to spend $250 on a single bouquet, then you are in the right place. Okay, so today I am back with part two of how to cut your wedding budget in half. If you missed part one, go back in your podcast feed and grab it. I talk all about how to cut some really big items on your wedding budget in half or out completely. Things like guests, venue, food, drinks, photography, lots of good stuff. So definitely make sure you catch that episode. And a quick reminder before I dive into all the good stuff that this is just my opinion, just my suggestions. If you actually took my advice for every single thing, you might not have much of a wedding left. You really can't be cutting out, you know, food and photography and videography and music and guests and the dress and all that stuff. Um, I mean, I guess you could, but uh, it's probably going to resemble, um, I don't know, more of just like a nice lunch or something. If you really did cut it all out, it wouldn't really feel or look like a wedding. Um, so take it or leave it is basically what I'm trying to say. Absolutely no judgment if I talk about something and tell you it's unnecessary and you can cut it, but that happens to be your favorite thing in the world, then you do you. Spend your money on it if it makes you happy, if you have that money in your budget. And hopefully along the way, you'll find a few things that uh, you are willing to cut in order to save yourself some money. So let's get to it. All right, so let's start with the band or the DJ. So commonly people will book a band or a DJ for their reception. You might also have a separate band or DJ or the same for your ceremony. So at the reception, they're going to be playing all the music for your traditional dances. If you're doing a first dance, a parent-child dance, um, any sort of other sort of traditional dance like that, they'll also be playing all the music for your dance floor kind of at the end of the night doing the whole party bit. And then at the ceremony, um, people sometimes like to have a DJ or a band play for, you know, walking down the aisle, maybe signing the marriage license, the recessional when you're walking back up, basically anytime you have music during the day. Um, and not just the dance floor. I think a lot of people 
think, oh yeah, DJ for my dance floor, but there's actually a lot of other moments throughout the day that you might want music. So of course, the best way to really cut your expense on this one is to not bother with a band or a DJ and just do a Spotify playlist or playlist on insert your music player of choice. Um, it is not the same. I'm not trying to say that, you know, all DJs should go out of business and bands should stop making music because we have Spotify. Definitely not the same. But if this isn't an area of your wedding that's a huge priority to you, Spotify playlists could be a really good way to go. So for example, for our wedding, we're just having 20 people and we're not doing a dance floor. Um, the ceremony is going to be outside, so we're probably not going to have any music. There's just 20 of us, you know, nothing, nothing big. So what we're doing is we put together a Spotify playlist just to play some songs during dinner. And it was actually really fun to sit down with my partner and go through our Spotify libraries and pick different songs. And it's so funny how many songs we absolutely love, but actually have horrible messages. You know, like all of my favorite artists apparently exclusively write breakup songs. Um, so it was actually really hard to find songs that we liked um, that had nice messages because we'd hate to, you know, start paying attention to the lyrics and it's all about heartbreak and leaving someone and cheating and all that stuff. But it was a really fun activity to sit down and spend the night, you know, putting our favorite songs together. And then we made the playlist, you know, a few months ahead of our wedding. So it's been kind of fun. Anytime I kind of want to get into the mood or if I'm doing any wedding planning or anything, I could just start playing our playlist and know that those are songs that we're going to have on our day. So it's a little bit of a sentimental thing. And then you also have the playlist, you know, for as long as you have Spotify or whatever music account you go for. So that's kind of nice because, you know, anniversaries or Valentine's Day or whatever, you can play, you can play your playlist again, which is super cool. Um, that being said, of course, you know, a playlist, you might not be able to take requests, you might get into a situation where I know a lot of DJs, they don't play the whole, you know, three and a half minute song, they'll just play a little clip and kind of move it on to the next one. DJs read the room, they're able to, you know, cater to, okay, wow, that song from the 80s really, you know, got a lot of people on their feet, let me play some more 80s stuff. Um, a lot of DJs also act as the MC. Um, depending on your culture and where you're having your wedding, the MC, the master of ceremonies, is either a separate person. Um, for example, weddings that I grew up with, it was usually a friend of the family, someone who's not actually in the wedding party, but is still close to the couple. And they're the person who's making the announcement saying, okay, you know, now it's time for the first dance. Now it's time for the parent-child dance. The bar is closing. It's time for speeches. Basically just letting people know what's happening. Um giving them a heads up. So that's something in a lot of weddings that the DJ actually does. So of course, Spotify is not going to be able to do that. But if you did want to go with a Spotify playlist, you could always just tap a close friend or family member to MC for you. And you basically just have to give them a quick rundown of, hey, here's our schedule of what we want to happen when. Um, you know, I've highlighted the parts that I'd love for you to jump up and grab the mic and announce and that's it. And it's actually kind of nice if you were looking for another position of honor, if you have somebody who, you know, isn't in the wedding party, but you still want them to do something special on the day of giving them the job of MC is a really great way to do that. And then of course saves you money because you don't have to book a DJ. Um, if you are still, you know, not feeling this and you're like, you know what, I do want to book somebody. I don't want to just have a playlist. I get it. Um, it can be, a little bit worrying, you know, thinking like, oh, are we going to have a good dance floor? In my experience, most of the weddings I've been to have been DJ weddings, and the dance floor is usually pretty good. Um, however, it's also been crap. <laughs> I've been to weddings that had a DJ and nobody was on the dance floor, and I felt really, really bad for the couple. It seemed like the songs were bad, so maybe they hired the wrong DJ. I don't know. But I've also been to weddings where they just did a playlist on a laptop, and the dance floor was insane. 
um, sorry, not insane, not a great word. The dance floor was wild. It was, I don't know, popping. <laughs> um, I'm remembering specifically my aunt and uncle, they got married. And I remember my uncle just plugging in his laptop and the dance floor was absolutely wild. People were getting thrown up in the air. People were losing their shirts, putting ties around their neck. It was, yeah, it was a whole thing. Um, and I think that has a lot more to do with your guests and possibly the alcohol you're serving than the DJ. Because if you've ever been to a house party, you know that people will dance to anything. Uh, they don't need a professional there. So if you're really worried about the music, I think, um, and the dance floor, I think you need to cater a little bit more to your guests and your alcohol. And then of course, you know, you can hire a band or a DJ. Usually a DJ is going to be cheaper than a band. Um, so if you are trying to save some money, a DJ might be the way to go. You can also, of course, as I've said in the previous episode, ask somebody who is newer. Maybe they're just starting their DJ business. Maybe they're a student. I don't know if there's DJ schools. <laughs> Maybe they do it as a hobby. Or you've got a friend who's got really great taste in music. Um, this would be one of those situations where I think having somebody with experience is actually really helpful. And if you don't have someone with experience, maybe it is better just to do a playlist and have somebody else MC. I think the um, point of having a DJ is so that somebody who can read the room, who understands, you know, how to work everything, who can shorten songs, and you might not get that with a newer DJ, they might not know how to read the room yet. If you have a friend and you're thinking, oh, wow, yeah, they've got, you know, really great taste in music, they're always introducing us to all these really cool songs. Okay, that's great. You know, maybe they are your coolest friend and they know the best music, but are they going to be happy if you're like, hey, here are my top 10 Taylor Swift songs, please play these. Are they going to get a bit of a an attitude about it? I know some people are a little bit, I don't want to call them music snobs, but you know what I mean. There's, there's people, I'm sure you're thinking of a friend who's like, oh yeah, definitely a music snob. And that's not what you want. You want a DJ who's going to play the music you want them to play. Um, another idea would be to hire your band or DJ just for part of the day. Again, this is something you'd want to talk to them about. Of course, it might not make sense for them to give you a discount if you're saying, oh, we just want you from, you know, eight to midnight because they're like, okay, great. I can't do anything else before then anyways. But maybe you are having a an afternoon wedding or a morning wedding and you just need them for part of it. Or maybe they'll give you a deal if you say, hey, we just need you for the reception um, for the ceremony. You know, we're just going to do a playlist. And a lot of people do just have you know, a friend or somebody at the laptop for the ceremony. And I think that's great. It's a great way to save money. Uh, you probably don't need a DJ or a band unless you're doing, you know, a beautiful acoustic guitar or violin trio as you walk down the aisle, which is gorgeous, but probably going to cost you a bit of money. I will say if you are planning just to have a friend work the laptop, you know, at the back of your ceremony space, make sure that person practices, make sure they come to the wedding rehearsal, make sure they know exactly where everything is, the buttons, how long you want the songs to be on, when you want them to fade, how to, you know, switch the speakers around, that sort of thing. I've heard some horror stories about friends who don't know how to turn the music on, don't know when to turn it off, don't realize that it's supposed to be, you know, a different song for the bride's entrance, or they don't know how to switch the speakers. So, you know, during the actual ceremony, the officiant and the couple, their mics don't work because the speakers are still connected to the laptop. Anyways, all of those things. It's not a lot of learning, but it is something you definitely want your friend, your friender in this case, to be aware of. So definitely make sure they come and practice. All right, next up, let's talk about the dress. So for those who are planning to wear a wedding dress, this can easily be a really huge expense, you know, especially if you've ever watched any say yes to the dress. Anytime a bride comes in with a budget of less than like $3,000, the consultants are always like, oh, it's going to be so hard to find something with that budget. And that is just absolute BS. <laughs> you can definitely find a dress for way under $3,000 and look totally stunning 
on your wedding day. So please don't believe that. You don't need to put thousands and thousands of dollars into a wedding dress if that is not within your budget and not something you prioritize. One thing you might want to do is look for a used dress, a secondhand dress. So there's lots of places that sell secondhand wedding dresses. Um, Still White is a really good website for secondhand dresses. Also just Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist. A lot of people list their dresses there and you can get them at a huge discount. Of course, it's going to be, um, you know, a bit tougher to find if you have a specific style in mind. It might be a little bit tougher to find what you're looking for, but definitely give it a give it a chance because if you have your heart set on this one specific dress, you might just happen to find it for, you know, half the price. Um, of course, you'll need to be careful with uh, the ability to try it on, perhaps shipping costs as well. If the other person had alterations done, you know, maybe they are five feet tall and they hemmed it and you're five foot nine. So that's not going to work anymore. There are things to consider, but it's definitely a great way to save money. And it's also a great way to be really environmental. I've talked about this in past episodes, but the best way to sort of support the environment and go green and be eco-friendly is actually just to reuse things or use things you already own. So instead of, you know, forcing the wedding industry to create a brand new dress, why not buy one from somebody who wore it for six hours and then got it dry cleaned and it's, you know, perfect and beautiful and it's yours and for half the price. So that's a great way to go. Um, As well as you're searching online for those uh, used dresses, you can also just search online for the wedding dress. There's lots of websites that sell wedding dresses. I talked about this more in my episode about um, my plus size wedding dress shopping experience. So go back and and check out that episode. But lots of different online stores that sell wedding dresses, usually for a fraction of the cost, just a couple hundred dollars. I've even heard of people getting their wedding dresses on Amazon. And you can actually go to YouTube and type in you know, the name of the store. So Amazon wedding dress, try on, and lots of people have done videos of them ordering these dresses from Amazon and then trying them on. And that's a great way to give you an idea of what those dresses look like on a real person. Um, get a feel for, you know, the fabric, the quality, the cut, all that sort of thing. And a lot of these online stores have really generous return policies. So you could order, you know, four or five dresses, try them all on, send back the ones you don't like. Another great way to save money on your wedding dress is to actually order a bridesmaid's dress or another, you know, formal dress, evening gown, prom dress, but order it in white. So I'm sure if you have bridesmaids in your wedding party, you've seen when you go on to, you know, stores like Azazi or Bertie Gray or JJ's house, they have the same dress, but in like 55 different colors. And one of those colors is white. Uh, They usually have ivory or cream or champagne. You know, they have all of these sort of off-white and white options. So you could definitely just order a beautiful bridesmaid's dress in white and bridesmaid's dresses are usually anywhere from, you know, one to $400. So that right there is a great way to save money and still, you know, look beautiful. And no one's going to say like, oh, wow, that looks like a bridesmaid's dress because a lot of those bridesmaid's dresses just look like wedding dresses. Um, They just happen to be in different colors. If you do still want to order um, or buy your dress in person, a great way to save money is to go to a store that lets you buy directly off the rack. Again, I talk about this in my wedding dress episode, but I bought my dress off the rack and I was able to save a couple hundred dollars off the ticket price because the consultant let me know that he had two different models on the floor. So he had two of the exact same dress, exact same size that were both you know, floor models, samples to be tried on. So he was happy to sell me one of them since he had another one. 
So that is a really good way to go if you have a store that is willing to sell you off the rack. Usually, you know, you might have to do a little bit of dry cleaning or whatever. Um, and in my experience, uh, the store was really great. They actually were like, oh, hey, we're, we're happy to give this a quick, you know, cleaning for you. We'll steam clean it really quickly. And we're also going to re-sew on some of the beading that had kind of fallen off through different people trying it on. So definitely something to talk to your store about. Um, another thing I'll say just on the aspect of the store, it is totally okay to call ahead or send an email or contact form or whatever and ask a dress store if they have something within your price. I know talking money is super awkward and nobody likes it and you don't want them to think you're cheap, but just you have to be realistic, right? Everyone has a budget and it's so hard when you're looking online and you see these beautiful dresses and there's no price tag. So it's totally okay. And this is what I did. I sent a message to the store and I said, hey, I'm, you know, I'm booking an appointment for this day, this time, just so you know, I'm, you know, in bridal sizes, I'm going to be in the 20s. So definitely a plus size bride. And my budget is $500. If you don't have anything in that size or at that price point, please let me know. Um, because then I'll, I'll need to cancel the appointment. And that's totally fine. Like you can call in and you can say, hey, what are the price points for your dresses? And if it's totally out of your budget, don't waste your time. Don't go fall in love with something that's, you know, thousands more than you really wanted to spend and find a store that will cater to what you really need. Okay, moving on for other tips to save money on your dress. Try to limit your alterations. I know, again, this is something we see all the time on Say Yes to the Dress. They'll have a girl try on a dress and then they'll come out and go, oh, well, you can just add a little bit of bling here and we'll move the neckline and add a strap and put on a sleeve and add a belt. And that stuff really, really adds up. Like we're talking hundreds or thousands of dollars just on alterations, which is absolutely mind blowing considering that, you know, sometimes the alterations really do cost more than the dress. So be careful as you're trying on dresses, try to find a dress that you, you know, practically love as it is. And when you order it in your size, you know, maybe all you'll have to do is just a quick hemming. Usually, um, unless you are quite tall, you will have to hem your dress. So something easy like that. Um, another really helpful thing is if you enjoy the look of a dress with a corset, that's super helpful because then, you know, if anything changes with your body or even if the dress is, you know, a little too big or a little too small, you can easily just tie the corset a bit tighter or a bit looser and it fits perfectly. Plus there's no stress. I was really looking for a corset dress. Um, and my second choice dress, the one I left behind did have a corset and I really wish the one that I ended up purchasing had a corset just so there's no stress about, you know, if you happen to gain some weight or anything like that and you're worried about the zipper going up with a corset, you really have nothing to worry about. So that's quite nice. Um, and then let's talk quickly about the accessories that go with a dress. So for a veil, this is another one of those things that could easily run you hundreds and hundreds of dollars, could cost more than the dress, depending on the veil you go for. And really, it's something you wear for such a short amount of time. You know, you have the veil on for the ceremony, maybe for some photos, and then you usually take it off. Most people don't wear their veil to the reception. It's kind of, you know, a bit of a hindrance while you're eating or while you're dancing. Um, even for the ceremony, you know, especially if you're getting married outside or something, we've all seen those videos or photos with the veil just whipping off in the wind, hitting people in the face, total distraction. So the veil is pretty. It is not required. If it's not something you're super into, you can definitely skip it. 
Otherwise, a great way to get a veil on the cheap would be to borrow one. So if you have friends or family members who still have their veils, I think like not only is that a great way to save money, it's also really sweet. It's saying, you know, oh, I'd love to have a piece of your wedding at my wedding. So maybe your mom or your mother-in-law or a stepmom or somebody has a veil or a friend, especially if you're getting married in these COVID times, maybe your friend can't attend the wedding. And that's a really beautiful way of saying, hey, you're still here with me. You know, I'm going to wear your veil. Otherwise, if you do want to buy one, I know that Amazon has veils. A lot of people say, oh, I got my veil on Amazon for 40 bucks. So definitely go there. Um, I would suggest probably not buying one from the place where you buy your dress, just as I have never seen them for less than, you know, a couple hundred dollars. So just a little bit of a budget tip. Same with your other accessories, shoes, jewelry. Shop your own closet first, uh, especially if you are wearing a dress that goes all the way down to the floor. No one is going to see your shoes. Um, a lot of brides say after the fact, like, you know, my feet were killing. I can't believe I wore these heels. Like, I wish I had worn flats or sneakers or whatever, slippers, something super comfortable. Just remember, you're going to be on your feet all day long. It is going to be a really long day and nobody will see your shoes. So definitely choose comfort over anything, you know, super gorgeous, unless, unless you're a big shoe person and that's important to you. Then, as I said at the top of the episode, take or leave this tip. But I would definitely shop your own closet first and see if you have anything. Same with jewelry. Do you have anything that you already wear or that you love in your collection? Or, you know, back to the borrowing aspect. Do you, does your mom or another friend or family member have something you could wear? And it's, you know, that extra little sentimental piece on your wedding day. My final note about the dress is just to remember how long you're really going to wear it and that it is just for the one day. So most often you are going to wear your wedding dress for maybe eight hours, maybe maybe 12 if you really have it on all day long, and you're just going to wear it that one day. And I know it's this really important day that's so special, and it's the one time you're going to wear a white dress, and you're going to have all of these photos, and you'll have the photos up in your house forever. So yes, it's important, but it is also just one day. So remind yourself of that when you're staring at, you know, a $4,500 price tag or whatever it is and, and thinking about going for it. When have you ever bought a dress for $4,500? <laughs> like that's probably not a part of your everyday wardrobe. And so you, of course you might want to stretch the budget a little bit because it's your wedding day, but you really don't need to be going into debt in order to buy a wedding dress that you're going to wear for 12 hours. Okay, I've got a boogie because I am clearly spending way too much time talking about each one of these points. So I will try to be a little bit more brief with my next few budget suggestions. The next one would be a suit. If you're planning to wear a suit to your wedding, obviously the best way to save money here would be to wear a suit you already have. If you don't already have one or if you don't love the look of the one you have, a great way to save money here is to rent your suit. Lots of places rent suits uh, to grooms, to groomsmen. Actually, speaking of, you could probably rent your wedding dress as well. It's not as common but it is possible and it is an option. However, you know, patriarchy, the uh, the suits are more easy to find for rent and it's easier for guys and cheaper. We'll put, we'll put that aside for now. Um, but you can definitely rent a suit. Usually you can do that anywhere from, you know, $100 and up. Um, another way to save money would be to just buy the jacket. Maybe you are kind of doing one of those trendy looks where the pants and the jacket are different colors. Totally. It's a great look, you know, search on Pinterest or Google. You could definitely make that very fashion forward. And then you just have to buy one thing because you probably already have pants and a shirt. 
So you can just buy the jacket. You can also do a less formal look if the idea of being in a full suit or a full tux is like really not comfortable for you for the full day, but also not comfortable for your budget. There's lots of other options. Just do a quick um, Pinterest search or Google search for groom attire um, for suits or wedding day looks and you'll find you know lots of people will do like chinos and a dress shirt and suspenders or a little vest or I mean really you can get married in anything you want as long as you and your partner are on the same page about it so if a suit's not your thing definitely uh, you can try something less formal and that'll probably have a smaller price tag and lastly you can of course always look for something secondhand so check um, those same places, you know, Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, any secondhand um, store in your location, lots of vintage stores, or even, you know, Goodwill or whatever the equivalent is in your local area will have suits or suit jackets or pieces of a suit. Maybe you can even get your tie or your bow tie or your belt or something like that from one of those stores and save a ton of money. Moving on to invitations. So for this one, I will say you definitely want to head back to my podcast episode, Why You Don't Need Wedding Stationery. I do a deep dive into why, you know, invitations, save the dates, all the other signage and paper is kind of unnecessary and that there's way easier and cheaper ways to skip it. But just to recap, uh, for invitations, you know, if you are having a smaller wedding that's less formal, you can definitely just do word of mouth, just letting people know, even sending a text, you know. I know it's not the most formal thing, but if you are trying to save money, the whole point of an invitation is to let someone know when your wedding is and that you'd like them to be there. And that can be accomplished without spending hundreds of dollars on paper. You could do, if you did still want to send out a paper invite, you could do just a single-sided postcard. So not bothering to have, you know, envelopes and all the different inserts. If you want to do an online version, you could always do an evite. And that's something you could design for free on sites like Canva and just, you know, save it as a, as a JPEG or a PDF and then email that off to everybody. Um, if you still want to do paper, definitely try to limit the amount of paper you're putting into each envelope. That'll save you money on printing and also on postage. And you can definitely skip save the dates. I did a mini sode on this called Do You Need Save the Dates? And in most cases, the answer is no. And even in the cases where it would be nice to give people a heads up, again, that's something you can do via word of mouth, text message, Facebook post, email, whatever it is. A formal um, printed save the date is not necessary if you're looking to cut costs. Moving on to florals and the florist. Again, this is something you can actually skip, which ooh, I know is wild. Lots of people, um, they equate, you know, weddings with flowers. They can't imagine, like, what do you mean? Not I won't have a bouquet and I, you know, my partner's not going to have a bouquet or a boutonniere or a corsage. There won't be centerpieces. There won't be a floral arch. What's going to go on the tables? What's going to go on the chairs? And I just want you to think for a moment about how, you know, we associate those things, bouquets and boutonnieres and corsages and all that with weddings, but do you actually need them at your wedding? Probably not. If you think about it, you know, for the bouquet, let's say, um, you know, if you're a bride holding a bouquet, you hold your bouquet coming down the aisle. However, most of the time it blocks your beautiful dress and everyone just wants to see you in your dress, especially if you and your partner didn't do a first look. They're probably really trying to get a look at you and you have this huge thing of flowers blocking your your whole look then when you get to the front of the aisle you end up passing those flowers off to somebody else because you're holding hands with your partner um, afterwards you'll have the flowers for some of your photos but probably not all of them because that might get a little um a little bit much you know every single photo you have this giant bouquet that's blocking you and your partner and that's not what the photos are about and then that's it you don't have your flowers at all for the reception. So you've spent, you know, people spend hundreds of dollars on just the bouquet, you know, just one bouquet. 
and you really barely use it. So it's okay if you don't want to do bouquets. I don't think um, they'll be missing at any point, especially, you know, if you're walking down the aisle with your parents or with your partner, even if you're walking by yourself, no one's going to look and go, oh, where are her flowers? I don't understand. Like people walk in straight lines to places all the time without holding flowers. You've probably heard me rant about it before, but people have dinner at tables without giant flowers blocking their view all the time. The floral arch is not necessary. Suits look great without boutonnieres. So if flowers is something that's really stressing you out and it's hurting your budget, this is your permission. You can totally skip it. You can totally, totally skip it. You do not need to have flowers. And that kind of goes for all the decor. You can absolutely skip it. You don't need it. Now, if you still want it, which of course I totally understand, I am a huge flower lover myself and it took me a while to get to a place where I was comfortable saying, okay, we're not doing flowers. If you do still want it, a great way to do it is to DIY it. So lots of people will head out to a Costco or a Sam's Club or whatever the equivalent is in your area and they'll buy flowers in bulk. And then you can just go on YouTube or I'm sure there's Pinterest tutorials or whatever and look up um, videos that show people arranging their own flowers. And apparently it's super easy. I've never tried it myself, but I've heard a few planners and um, brides say that, you know, it's really really, really simple. Anyone can do it. There's really not a wrong way to do it. Just kind of however you want to arrange the flowers is is the right way. And that it saves you so much money. Like you could spend, you know, $300 at Costco and that'll be all your bouquets, all your boutonnieres, all your centerpieces, decorations for, you know, chairs or the aisle or whatever else. And um, it can be fun. You know, if you've got some crafty people in your life, they might really enjoy helping you put those together. Another option is to go with fake flowers. So you could go to a craft store or I know there's lots of online versions where you can get silk flowers or paper flowers or wood flowers. And that's a good way to save money. They're usually a lot cheaper than real flowers. Um, probably not as cheap as the bulk ordering, but it would depend which ones you're buying. And the great thing about that is that you can buy them ahead of time because they're not going to wilt. So, you know, maybe there's a really good deal. Maybe you have a coupon or something. I don't know how they work, but you can buy it ahead of time and you can arrange the flowers however you want if they don't come pre-arranged and you can change your mind and take pictures and ask people's opinions and you've got you know months and months and months of time if you want to buy those ahead of time. If you are going to go with real flowers try to go with flowers that are in season. Um, they'll be a lot cheaper than needing to import flowers that are out of season. Uh, greenery is usually cheaper than actual you know blooming flowers so that can be a great way to save money if you add more greenery. I know a lot of people have been doing these gorgeous bouquets with a lot of baby's breath and eucalyptus leaves, and they look so beautiful, super, you know, boho and chic and fashion forward and whatnot, but those are actually some of the cheaper flowers to use. So that's a great way to do it. You can also skip some of the elements. So if you're not ready to totally cut flowers from your wedding, which I get it, it's a big thing, you can just cut some of them. So maybe, you know, you want a bouquet for the bride, but the bridesmaids don't need to carry bouquets. Or, you know, maybe you're going to do, okay, everyone gets a bouquet and boutonniere, but we're not going to bother with centerpieces because they're unnecessary. You get the idea. Making cuts where you can, because remember, flowers are not necessary. Beautiful, but not necessary. Okay, moving right along, next up we've got the rehearsal dinner. Now it is important, in my opinion, to do an actual rehearsal. I know a lot of people will actually skip the rehearsal part and they'll still do the dinner and they're like, it's fine, we know how to walk in a straight line, no big deal. But it's actually super helpful, especially if you're gonna have music at your wedding, like we talked about, and you wanna give you know your friend or your DJ a chance to practice. If you have a large wedding party, if you're gonna have readings or just sort of anything beyond just you and your partner showing up magically at the end of the aisle and getting married, it's super helpful to practice. I think we've all 
been to weddings or seen weddings, you know, I'm gonna, <laughs> I won't use any names, but a wedding that I watched on Zoom a few weeks ago, the wedding party ran down the aisle, like literally ran at top speed down the aisle. And all of us watching on Zoom were so confused. We're like, what? Like, why are they running? Is is there a fire? What's going on? And we couldn't tell if it was an issue of, you know, maybe the person playing the music had played the wrong song. You know, maybe they started the bridal song too early. So the wedding party had to really book it to get down there. Or maybe the wedding party just, you know, when you have high anxiety and, you know, all eyes are on you, you tend to walk a little bit faster. So it was very strange. And of course, you know, their wedding was beautiful. Not a big deal. They still got married. It was fine. But it was a little bit weird. And it seemed like one of those things where like, hey, if we had just had a rehearsal and had a chance to practice the music, practice the walking, tell the bridesmaids to hold their bouquets a little bit lower because everyone seems to want to hold them in front of their face for some reason, you know, telling people where to stand. So in the photos, it's not really awkward that, you know, all the bridesmaids are bunched up, but all the groomsmen are really spaced out. Just little things like that that you wouldn't even think of are really important to go over. And often your wedding planner or your officiant will run the rehearsal for you. So there's really nothing that you need to worry about. And it is very helpful just to have that practice, have that time before your big day, you know, when you, you put all this time and all this money into this day, you've hired a photographer, you're just going to do the ceremony the one time. So why not practice for, you know, even 15 minutes beforehand and get it right. If you don't have access to your space, I know a lot of people are like, oh, we can't do a rehearsal. They won't let us use the space. You can do it anywhere. If you have a backyard or a basement or something like that, you know, it won't be perfect. It won't be the exact same length of the aisle, but you'll still get an idea of what you need to be doing. I know some people also do the rehearsal like the, the morning of. They'll go in and they'll do it that morning. And if that's something you think will be helpful and you, and you won't be stressed out trying to squeeze that in, then go for it. But back to the actual rehearsal dinner. So it doesn't need to be huge. Basically, it's a quick, you know, sort of thank you so much for coming to the rehearsal and also thank you for being a part of our wedding. So it doesn't need to be a lot of people these days are making the rehearsal into like a mini wedding and they're really going all out and there's invitations and dress codes and multiple courses and speeches. And it really doesn't have to be that. It can literally be ordering pizza to your backyard and saying thanks or going out for tacos or Chinese food. Like it doesn't have to be a big thing. Um, so you can definitely do that on a budget. I do think it is nice to still have some sort of a dinner or a meal or a drink at least just to thank people for coming out to the rehearsal and for being a part of your wedding. Moving on, I've got decor here, even though I've kind of covered it in my flowers section, but basically it is totally optional. You don't need an arch or a lounge chair or draping or lighting. You really don't need any of that stuff. It can be super expensive to rent it and it can be really, you know, of course, more expensive to buy it. And then you might think, oh, but I'll resell it. That can be super stressful. And there's no guarantee that you'll actually be able to resell it. You might be spending tons of time on, you know, Facebook Marketplace or Craigslist or whatever, trying to find your stuff and then trying to sell it later. So basically all of that stuff that is just decor, it's so extra. Nobody's going to remember it. Nobody's going to care. It's totally fine. You can skip it unless there's a part that, you know, is super, super meaningful to you and you really, really want, then go after that one thing, but don't do it just to do it just because other people had, I don't know, rented couches and it set up a little lounge section. Like you don't need to do that. It's totally unnecessary. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Next, we have the officiant. So this isn't something you're going to be able to cut because, of course, you do need someone who can legally marry you. But there are lots of alternatives. So lots of locations will have a government version of the officiant. So either, you know, a commissioner or a justice of the peace or a judge or something like that who can marry you. And usually those are going to be the most affordable. They have to um, charge just a standard rate. You might also be able to get married by your religious leader if you attend um, a religious 
gathering of sorts, your religious leader might be able to marry you either for free or for some sort of a donation to your church or synagogue or temple, whatever it is. In lots of places, you can also have a friend get ordained online. And of course, that's something that could be totally free. Maybe they do that as a wedding gift for you. They'll pay to get themselves licensed, or they might even be able to get licensed through your government. Um, and in those cases, I would just say, because that person's not a professional, and this is something we talked about in part one of this um, how to cut your wedding budget, just make sure that they practice, that they have a script. I know a lot of people say, oh, well, you know, we picked my brother to marry us because he's super close to us and he's so funny, you know, he's always the life of the party and that's awesome, but he's not a professional officiant, which means, you know, he might not remember to cue the DJ or to get the marriage license or to call somebody up to do their reading. They might also make a ton of jokes or just tell stories that are about them and not really about you two. They might not remember things like, oh, during the first kiss, I should take a step out of the way so I'm not standing here awkwardly smiling behind the couple in all their photos. Little things like that. Um, it can be really helpful to have a professional who knows how to sort of roll with it and really keep the attention on you two and not make it, you know, just them telling funny stories. It's totally different than giving a speech at the reception. It really is. So make sure if you are going that route, having a friend or family member get licensed to marry you, that they practice, that they have a script, that you approve it, that you know exactly what's going to be happening. And it can definitely be a nice way to, you know, make it personal and do it on a budget. But you just have to make sure you're comfortable with it not being a professional experience. Next up, we have transportation. So basically, the point of transportation is to get you from point A to point B. Very simple. You probably already knew that. This is usually speaking about getting um, the couple and the wedding party from wherever they're getting ready to the ceremony and then from the ceremony to the reception. If those are all happening at the same place and you're kind of doing pictures there too, then you don't need it. And then also, you know, transportation at the end of the night. Again, if you're, you know, getting married at a hotel ballroom and you're staying in the hotel, you're not going to need this. So just focus on the functional aspect of this. Your transportation just needs to get you from A to B. So you don't need to do a stretch limo or anything fancy, you know, a convertible or I don't know, whatever people do, fancy cars, not my thing. But you really don't have to do that because it's going to cost a lot of money and most people are not going to see it. Usually when the wedding party is arriving to the ceremony, everyone is already inside and in their seats. So there's no one there to see your nice fancy limo. If you're doing some sort of like a getaway at the end of the night, you know, hopping in your car, that's cute. And, you know, you might get a few nice photos. That's often staged. Um, you know, when you see those exits where everyone's holding sparklers or, I don't know, confetti or balloons or whatever it is, those are usually staged because if you actually waited till the end of the night when you were ready to leave, most of your guests have already left. Most of the time, it is the couple and the wedding party who are the last people to leave. They have to do a bit of a cleanup. They have to make sure they have all of their gifts and the food and things are closed and they've paid their tips and nobody's lost a shoe, that sort of thing. So if you actually did your farewell, your big send off at the end of the night, it would just be you and like a few bridesmaids who decided to stick it out. So those things are usually staged and done kind of like midway through the reception or at the beginning of the reception even. So if that's the case, like you really don't need to be renting a limo for the full day or even a few hours because it's just a staged photo. You can just skip that part. So you don't need to do anything um, super extravagant for transportation. You can get an Uber, you can get a cab, you can use your own car, you know, it, just tell your photographer if, if that's the case and like, hey, you know, I don't need 45 photos of me coming out of my Uber. It's cool. Like, let's focus on the parts of the wedding that I actually want to um, have photos of. 
Another thing I know a lot of couples will do, especially for destination weddings, or if there is quite a bit of space between the ceremony and the reception, is they'll hire like shuttle buses to bring their guests back and forth. And that's super nice. It's especially a nice thing to do at the end of the night if you want to make sure that all of your guests can enjoy themselves, stay out late, drink, and not have to worry about driving. It's super nice to have a shuttle bus. Unfortunately, it's not within everyone's budget. So if it's not within yours, it is totally okay to skip that. It is optional. Nobody's going to be expecting a shuttle bus. I've also heard of situations where the couple will arrange for the shuttle bus and then just let their guests know, hey, it's, you know, it's 10 bucks to get on the shuttle. Um, And some people will take that option and that's great. And other people won't. And you um, have to know your guests and know what's going to work for them and also what's going to work for you and your budget. I can't even believe it, but I have rattled on for almost 40 minutes here and I still have, I think, 10 different uh, areas where I think you can still save money. So I'm actually going to go ahead and extend this again and I'm going to have a an episode coming out on how to cut your wedding budget in half part three so yes stay tuned part three i promise i will get the other ones all done in part three there will not be a part four but thank you so much for sticking around for part two i hope this was super super helpful and i look forward to giving you even more tips in the next episode and i promise to try to keep things more brief so much for listening to this episode of the unconventional wedding planning podcast i really appreciate it and i hope i gave you some great ideas and tips for saving money for your wedding if you really want to make my day you can leave me a rating and review subscribe so you don't miss the next episode and tell a friend and don't forget to stay tuned for part three of how to cut your wedding budget in half planning for your next trip elevate your travel style with quince Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.